You're listening to the Getting Mindful with Megan podcast. Hey, welcome to the Getting Mindful with Megan podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to get to meet and hear from our wonderful podcast editor and my amazing husband, everybody. It's Colin Tierlink. Here he is. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm uh, on the other end of things, <laughs> speaking into the microphone. This is a different. Yeah, Colton's the best. He always edits the podcast. So he's here. He's around. But today he's actually going to be on my podcast. I've been begging him for a while. And this is a little bit out of his comfort zone. But absolutely. I just don't have the talent Megan has when it comes to spewing information. So if she talks more than me, that's just how it's probably going to be. But we love this about Colton. And me, me and Colton, I, I feel very grateful because. He's very grounding energy. So like even just him being here, it's like so grounding to me. So I'm just so glad he's here. And I thought he'd be perfect to bring on for this podcast episode because today we're talking about one of the yamas of yoga. It's actually our last one for this 10-part series and it's called Satya. And I like to call it the yama of truth. Satya is like in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. And Colton really is great at living into this. And so I think just having him here and his energy is just like, oh, I don't know. It's such a good energy to have in this conversation. So we're going to dive right into Satya. Satya is the second Yama listed in the Yamas and the Niyamas. And the first one is Ahimsa. So I made sure last week we covered Ahimsa. And this week we're covering Satya. Because I think before we even get started, I think it will be really beneficial to remember that a lot of times when we talk about telling the truth and being truth tellers, that we think that there's that we have to do that from like a mean place, like being honest and truthful with people is like being blunt and untactful. But in the yoga practice, truth is always accompanied by first ahimsa, love and compassion and non-harming to others. And so I think there's real money and magic when we combine non-harming and love with telling the truth. I think that's where the magic happens. So as we go throughout the course of this podcast, I just want to invite you guys to keep that in your mind because I know a lot of times our brain is like telling the truth is mean. Like when people are like, just say it to you straight, you know, that it can come off like that. But but the way that the yogis teach it is definitely that it's always accompanied by an energy of love and with an intention to not harm or hurt others. Very good insight. Okay, so we're just going to jump right in. The first thing that I want to talk about is doing what you say you will do. This is one way that we can live this yama, just doing what we say that we're going to do. It's basic. It's simple. It's like, of course, we should do what we say we're going to do, but it's definitely a harder thing to live and actually practice. Colton's going to tell you guys a little bit about what he's doing right now, and then we'll expound on why and how that matters and has to do with Satya. So Megan's been talking about training the animal thin, and I've been editing all the content. Well, not all, but I, <laughs> I, I edit the audio and love what she shares and teaches. I feel like I grow and learn so much from these podcasts. I always tell her, I'm like, these are amazing. I'm like, this is so good. I'm like, I need to do these things. So rather than just talk about them, I'm really trying to implement them. And I feel like I have a great opportunity to be patient zero with training the animal within. And I evaluate myself i'm pretty analytical so i've been evaluating my life like what what am i doing <laughs> and one of the things i see as i evaluate myself is 
I'm not putting myself in a ton of discomfort. I'm, a, you know, a creature, I guess, in some aspects where I want to find the path of least resistance, find comfort. Um, but logically, I know my potential and growth and the things I can achieve are all on the other side of discomfort. And so I rarely do <coughs> challenges and stuff, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a challenge because it's super uncomfortable and I'm going to stick to it and I'm just going to be along for the ride and for the growth. So I've committed to do a challenge for the next six months and really try to embrace that train the animal within. and. Probably the hardest part about this challenge is I'm also going to, here I am, I'm like hesitant to even talk about it (laughs) because it's the vulnerability of it, the documentation of it, the getting on social media and sharing some of my life with a larger audience than just my wife and kids. And so that vulnerability of opening up and being on this podcast, putting out myself, you know, in this challenge to other people is vulnerable and that's uncomfortable for me. For whatever reason, I'm, I just it's so not un- that practiced. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, that's not, what it comes down I to. It's just so. not that practiced yet. I guess so. And so, I'm uh, stepping into it and hoping that I'll come out on the other side a little bit better, a little bit stronger. So he didn't tell you some of the things. So in the challenge that he's doing, he's every day he's doing a hundred pull-ups, a hundred push-ups, not eating sugar, not eating wheat. What else is there? Meditating, Meditating every day and reading spiritual text. Yeah. 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 So it. he's doing like a full on challenge. And this is the funny thing about Colton. You guys, he started like what? Three weeks ago, started the first of May. He literally hasn't missed a day. Like he is the type of person who will do what he says he's going to do. And I admire it so much. And something else about Colton is that he's somebody who has very little anxiety in his life. I feel like he doesn't really suffer from a lot of like big stress or anxiety. And as I've coached many women and myself on anxiety, I have come to a conclusion that when we don't have inner trust and inner integrity with ourselves, it creates a lot of anxiety in our life. So I wanted to show you guys what Colton's doing and how he's actually sticking and doing what he's saying he's going to do. And I know him. He will. He'll go the whole six months and he won't miss a day. And it'll be so annoying because I try to do that kind of stuff all the time and I always miss days. But He's like that. He has so much internal integrity and it creates very little anxiety. Let me kind of go a little bit deeper into why and what's going on when we don't have trust. So let's say that you're feeling anxious about a future event because it's going to have some like unpleasantness or like discomfort in the future. That's usually why we feel anxiety. It's just fear of some pain or discomfort that's that we can foreshadow. So you have your mind, your body, and your spirit, right? You guys know how I talk about training the animal within. I talk about the dog being the mind and the body with two heads, and then the spirit being like you, your separate entity over here on the other side. And so I like to think of it like when we start training the animal to do these uncomfortable things, it's like your spirit becomes master of the mind and the body. And if your spirit tells your your mind hey, um, we're going to do this, or we, we don't worry about what you're worried about because like we can do hard things. Your mind and your body won't believe it if there's been a lot of times where you have said you're going to do something, but then you don't do it. Like 
We have to build this internal trust and relationship between your mind, your body, and your spirit, where the mind and the body trust the spirit, that they trust that it's going to give them sound advice and be true and follow through with what it says. And so what happens is a lot of times I try to thought work my clients and they have a really hard time making those changes because there is that lack of internal trust. The mind doesn't quite believe what the higher brain is saying because it hasn't seen the results or fruits of that follow through yet. So it doesn't believe that you are able to do this hard thing because it's never seen you do it before. And you've said you're going to do it 50 times, but you never do. So why would it believe you when it's set, when you tell it, you know, you have nothing to worry about? It's like, well, you say stuff all the time that's not true. And so I really feel like it's important to practice doing what we say we're going to do and creating that internal trust. I think that it will alleviate so much of our anxiety when we know we can trust ourselves and we belong to ourselves and we feel comfortable with ourselves in that way, then we're able to create external trust in relationships and belong and have belonging in the world around us. So Colton's doing it. You guys can do it. <laughs> the funny thing is, is because I, I do maybe have a little bit of strength in that area, I don't know, but I also don't do very many things because I'm like, no, if I commit to that, then I'm going to have to do it. And so I just don't do anything. So that's the pitfall That's that. not true. <laughs> he does a lot of stuff. But but I do think, though, it is wise to evaluate, like, am I, and be honest with yourself. And that's something you're pretty good at is being honest with yourself. Like, am I going to do what I, am I really going to do this? Do I really want to do this? And being an essentialist in that way and picking the things that really deeply matter to you and then committing and honoring the promises that you make to yourself. I think that type of integrity, I live with Colton. And so I, I watch him like he is so not stressed. Like he's not a stress case. He's not anxious. If I guess if, if there was a shadow side to it, it might be a little passive sometimes. But I would say that when he's True. in his healthiest state, like it's such a gift. And I think it's a gift you can give yourself if you're willing to is just to Pick wisely what you're going to do and then hold to it. Only only do the things you really want to do. Only commit to the things you really want to do and then and then do those things and create that trust and create that relationship through the mind, body, and the spirit where where the spirit is the master of the mind and the body and they trust it and they they believe it. And so when the spirit says something to it, they they do it. They know it's true and they obey and they they sit or they listen. That's such a good way to put it. Um I love your insights on that. You know, the master being the spirit and the one leading the show can change your life, no doubt. Like that's where you want to be. Just getting there is is a a, <laughs> a practice. It's something you have to work towards. It's not necessarily going to just happen naturally. Totally, you guys. I'm sick, so if you keep hearing me coughing, bear with it. Oh, I'll edit it out. <laughs> you, you can't edit it out if you're talking. Enough. Right. <laughs> so okay, so. Um, so why is it so hard? Do you think like why do you guys feel like it's so hard sometimes to do what we say we're gonna do? I think a lot of times we're not. Well, I think one of the main thing that happens is that we always have desires and they're always working in us. So like our higher brain says like yeah I want to do this six month challenge and in your higher brain and you're like okay I'm gonna do it and then you you know you kind of 
chill out you kind of forget about it and then your desire to like eat a candy bar starts to like raise up and it kind of starts raising over your desire to do this challenge or whatever and so the work is to bring ourselves back into consciousness and be willing to handle the discomfort that comes by not giving in to some of those desires as they start to rise up the biggest thing really being being willing to be in the discomfort and that's what Colton, that's the whole reason he's doing this challenge. It's not because he really cares that much about exercise or food. But I think more than that, it's the discomfort that comes right. from sticking to something and to doing something that's uncomfortable and hard. And so you guys know I talk about doing that a lot on here. And it's something I really believe in because as I've practiced it in my own life and created that own internal trust, doing the things I say I'm going to do, even when it's uncomfortable, it's made me so much less fearful of the future because I know that any discomfort that comes, I'm going to be able to handle it. I can walk through that discomfort. I've done it before. Right. I've had to get honest with myself as you're talking about Estea and truthfulness is I have these goals and ambitions. And as I look at them, I have to ask myself, how are you going to get there? And the reality is, is I'm going to get there by going through the discomfort. I'm not going to get there by this path of least resistance, this path of comfort. It's really going to be a path, and, or not a path, but it's really going to be by overcoming and getting through the discomfort. And my goals and, and dreams are on the <coughs> other side of that. So it's funny too, though, don't you think like how this is a side tangent a little bit, not exactly about Satya, but. But it's funny how we think that like when we get to the goal, that's when we're going to like feel better. But really, it's the overcoming the discomfort. Right. That's the actual it's, like high. Right. And they say it's the journey. Yeah, it's, it's the, the journey. It's the process. But and I, I like think like it's the overcoming of adversity that's so powerful. Right. Oh, I love this topic because I don't it's changed my life. So because when we get to the you know, our goal, our ambition. It's not like, oh, great, we're here. You yeah. need to stop. It's okay. What's the next uh, thing we're going to overcome? You know, and it's that process. It's loving being in that process. For and, sure. And doing it till you die, I guess. Totally. So um, doing what we say we're going to do, that is a huge aspect of Satya. And it, it can be even on a much more surface level. We're talking about it in a much deeper way, but you can take it even surface level. Like if you tell somebody you're going to be somewhere, be there. If you say you're going to be there at this time, be there at this time. Just start showing yourself even in little ways. If you say you're going to wake up at 6 a.m., get up at 6 a.m. Start showing yourself in little ways that you are trustworthy. Um, as you start to show that to yourself, other people will catch on to that energy. And then they'll. I think opportunities will flow to you because you are a person who has integrity and is trustworthy and is open to two things like opportunities so i love that the next one we're going to talk about is not exaggerating this is another way that we can practice satya and this one's funny because this is not my strength i love to add a little pizzazz to stories i am i consistently use absolutes then colton likes to remind me not to but this is one that i think a lot of us don't even realize that we're doing but once we do you start to notice it everywhere and it can really change the way your brain interprets things so let's dive into it a little bit do you have any thoughts just to start off no i just i think it's you know awesome because megan you know you mentioned you 
you know, tend to do that, but it's something she's become aware of and you've been working on it. And I, I feel like I notice and see a difference when you're not using absolutes. For example, I'm trying to think of actually a good scenario, but there'd be something and she said, would say something along the lines of you always do this. And I would get all flustered because I'm like, what do you mean? I don't, I don't always do that. <laughs> I sometimes do that. There's a big difference. Okay. And, <coughs> and I think dropping absolutes, unless it's really true, is part of truthfulness. So, yeah. So what he's saying is when you're describing something and you use words like nothing, never, always, all the time, a hundred percent, you know, like when you use these like really black and white, type of absolutes what's a good example i'm trying to think of some i know we've had them all the time in our lives but none of them are coming to mind right now it's just like i would say things like you you never um let me like you never you never do the dishes you never do the dishes and he's like i did them yesterday colton's like thomas (laughs) and chosen he's very like analytical and logical i'm not and so Sometimes, like, there's a little bit of, like, he's, like, he's literally, like, he takes it very literal and very logically. And so he's, like, no, I have not. That's not true. Like, I've done dishes three days ago. And I'm, like, I know, but, like, you never do them. And he's, like, no, I did them three days ago. (laughs) And, but, like, okay, so, like, this is, like, just sounds like a funny marriage thing. But there's actually a reason why I think that not exaggerating can really help your brain and help you feel better is because of this. As I've coached a lot of clients, they'll say things to me like like that. My husband never does the dishes. And they're they're mad. They're so mad. You can feel that anger as they tell me. And I'm like, okay, so, but one of my favorite things to ask my clients is, well, is that true? And then they're, oh yeah, it's so true. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, but like, is it really true? Like this is a fun game by Byron Katie. Is it true? Is it really true? Well, in what ways could it not be true? And that's something I ask my clients a lot. And then they're like, oh, okay, so maybe it's not 100% true. So if they say things like, my husband never does the dishes, I'll say things like, so never? He's never done the dishes ever in your entire marriage? And then they're like, well, you know what I mean. And I'm like, no, I do know what you mean. But in the same breath, your brain takes everything literal. So thinking a thought like my husband never does the dishes is going to create a lot of angst and tension in your body. And it's not an even true thought. So like, why would we do that to ourselves? But we do it a lot. So just become conscious and aware. Like, am I exaggerating? Am I going into all or nothing mindset? Am I um, using absolutes that aren't true? If you are, just be onto yourself. Your brain will take those literal. And then you're going to feel emotions in a much bigger way. And it's not useful and it doesn't serve you. So also it diminishes your your um like reliability with others. Like now I now that I'm aware of this, when I was younger I wasn't aware of this at all, but now that I'm aware of this, when I hear people talk like that, I think oh, they're not aware. They're not conscious of of what's true and what's really going on and and that looks like, you know, a lack of integrity and yeah, speaking from emotion a lot of times it seems yeah. like has a lot of those, you know, all or nothing statements in them. Totally. And and I'm you guys know I'm all about emotion, but 
a healthy emotion that's controlled and that is from conscious thinking. So yeah, when people get unconscious and they just start going crazy emotions, then they start using exaggerations, absolutes. I think it looks like emotional unintelligence. And so just be aware, just be really aware. Am I saying things that are true or not true out of emotion? And um, if you are like, don't judge yourself. Like, I think it's really, we, we watch it on TV. We see it all around us. It's what we were modeled. And so there's no judgment, but just become aware of that because your brain is taking it literal and it's not serving you. So it will just serve you so much more to speak in truth and especially like your thoughts, man. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is, <coughs> is your thoughts because you're talking in your head. And if you're saying those things in your head, there's an impact. Yeah. It's always creating emotion. Right? It's creating bigger emotion, especially in those absolutes. It's just like bigger and bigger emotion. And because I, I think I might even, you know, thinking about it now, I might not use absolutes all the time when I'm you know, verbally speaking, but in my head, how often am I using absolutes? Yeah, like thinking thoughts like, oh, she never does this or, oh, they always do that. Yeah, I would encourage you to be aware with this with your kids as well. I've recently been doing a lot of work on myself and how I talk to my kids and how I think about my kids because I'm wanting to create like more love and kindness in my home. And I've noticed with sometimes with my kids, I think thoughts like that. Like you never, you know, take your shoes off when you walk in the door. You guys, you guys are always fighting. That's (laughs) there's one. You guys are always fighting. And I've consciously and purposely been trying to look for the good and look how that's not true. Those things are not true. And I'm finding so much that it's not true that they're always fighting. They're actually not fighting more of the time than they are. They're actually putting their shoes away more often than not. And as I'm looking for that and even speaking that, I'm starting to find more and more evidence of it. And we're creating more of it in our home. So especially with the people you love in your relationships with your family, what are you believing about them? And is it even true? And is it really true? And then asking yourself, in what ways is it not true? Because there's always more than one truth you can find and you get to choose which truth you're going to focus on. That's the way to put it. Okay, so the last one we're going to keep going because we gotta, we, we don't want to be going for too long here. But, but the last one we're going to talk about and probably the most important is the concept of people-pleasing. I think we definitely have to dive into this. Um, One of my favorite quotes ever is people pleasers are liars. And the reason why I love this is because for so long I was a people pleaser and I thought I was being nice. I thought that I was the only one who cared about how other people felt. I thought that I was the only nice one when in reality I was resentful and I was lying. And I know that that's hard to hear if you're people pleasing, but I think becoming conscious and bringing that into your horizon into your view is going to be really powerful for you. People pleasers don't tell the truth and they tell themselves it's because they're wanting to be nice to others. But in reality, people, when you people please, you're actually doing it for yourself. So you're saying like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm just going to do whatever they say because I don't want them to be mad. But in reality, you don't want them to be bad because if they're mad, it's going to cause conflict for you. It's going to feel uncomfortable for you. So people-pleasing, we just have to be really aware of it. It's actually going to create more disconnection. 
It's going to create a disconnection inside yourself because the truth that you're wanting to live, you're not living. You're not saying, you're not being that truth. And it's going to create a like disintegrity in yourself. And also it's going to create resentment because people are not going to people please you back and you're going to think that they should. There's just so many things about people pleasing, but the deepest part of it is that people pleasing is lying and it's for your own benefit. And honestly, most of us just aren't even aware that that's what's going on. That's how I was until you taught the principle to me. And I think probably at first (laughs) I resisted it. I was like, no way, I don't do that. And then in my own mind, uh, over time, I had to analyze and, and think that through and realized, yeah, I I do people please. And I do see the fallacies with that. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you quickly, one way that in my life I had people pleased in the past is when I first got married, I had lots of friends that had little kids and so did I. And, and my friends, rightfully so, would ask, hey, like, would you mind watching my kids? And I would not want to. I was overwhelmed. I didn't like babysitting at the time. And I didn't want to, but I felt like I should. I had the thought I should be nice. Like I should want to serve because of our um, faith and beliefs. We believe that we we want to serve our fellow man. And so I thought like I should want to, like I don't want to be rude and I need to say yes to these people, even though deep in my soul, I did not want to. And so I'd say yes, I'd take their kids. I'd be kind of like, just, I wouldn't, I didn't give as much love as I wish I would have to those kids. I was still nice to them and everything, but like, I just wish I would have like really felt love towards them where in reality, I was kind of just annoyed that I had to watch them. And then the mom would come home and you can feel when someone's annoyed after they've watched your kid, your mom, you know what I'm talking about. And that was how I was. And then I learned about people pleasing and realized like, that I didn't want to babysit at that point in my life. I was, I wished that I wanted to. I knew I should want to, but I didn't want to. And I, I was trying to get myself to want to, but I wasn't there. So instead what I did is I gave my permission, myself permission to say no. It was the best thing I could have ever done. I told myself I am allowed to say no. It's okay if other people are uncomfortable with it. It's okay that I'm in this place in my life right now where my answer is no. Eventually, I want it to be yes, but right now it's no. So I started saying no. And I said no for a while, probably like six full months or maybe even more than that, where I'd just be like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. And it was uncomfortable for me. I'm not going to lie. might have been uncomfortable for others because they were used to me saying yes. So difference is just uncomfortable for humans. But I, I stuck with it. And then what happened was really interesting. After I took all the pressure off myself that I should want to and I, I need to to make everyone else feel good. And there was no pressure. I found myself wanting to babysit for others. When my friends would reach out to me and say, hey, can you watch my kids? I wanted to because there was no shoulds. There was no pressure. There was no, I have to, to make everyone else feel better. It was just an actual desire to serve from like a righteous and like pure intent. And now when I watch people, kids, I like, like it. Like I love to love on their kids. If I can, if I want to watch them, I say yes. If I can't, I say no. There's no question. People know that I'm being honest. Like my sister-in-laws have told me, like, I I love that I can ask you to babysit. I know you're going to be honest with me. If you don't want to, you'll say no. If you are going to, I know you're going to love on my kids. You're going to be all there for them. And so I felt like, like, that's just like one example of how when you stop people pleasing, it's actually greater service to the people that you're giving to. 
and it ends up being such a more delightful thing for yourself. And so that's just my story, one of my stories with people pleasing. I've learned to accept where I'm at and say no when I need to, even when I maybe quote unquote should say yes. And for me, I see that you're happier. You're you're just a different energy about you. It's it's just awesome to see that transformation in you. <clears throat> I have a thought and I believe it for myself, but I also believe it for others. And that thought is I take care of my own needs. I am completely self-sufficient. I don't need you to do things for me. I don't need you. Like this has been such, I think, a beautiful blessing of our relationship, Colton and I, is that we both kind of have this mentality of like, I don't need you to take care of me and make me feel happy. And I don't need you to act in a certain way so that I can feel good. I take care of that myself. I don't need you to plan a date so that I can feel good about my our relationship. I, I'll take care of my own needs. And then anything that this the other person does is just a gift that I can be so grateful for. And that's been just such a game changer, at least for me. Yeah, I think so as well. It's, it's been big. Yeah, because in the past it would be like, you should be doing this because I am. You should be doing whatever to make me feel good because I'm doing that for you. And those shoulds are, man, those shoulds are from Satan. Like they are not serving you and they're not serving the person that you're with or the person you're serving or, or in a relationship with. Yeah, very true. So last thought on people pleasing is just that I know that it might seem nice to think thoughts like, I just want everyone to feel good. I just, I don't want anyone to feel bad. That's a, that seems like a really nice thought. The problem with that thought is that you have no actual control over how anyone else feels. You don't have that type of agency or power to take away that from them. They always have the choice. They always have the agency to choose how they will feel. Their thoughts are creating their feelings. What you're doing is not creating their feelings. Now, in that same breath, what you do has influence over others. That's why I think the Lord asks us to love one another and to not judge and to be kind. And it's because we do have influence. And why not make life easier for people? But in the same breath, abandoning yourself for others is never a good idea. You can't pour from an empty cup, right? Like abandoning yourself for others, it's like the idea with the airplane, like you got to put on your own mask before you put on a, your oh, yeah. passenger, your kid. It's the same idea. When you abandon yourself, it doesn't actually serve the greater good of the relationship. You got to put your own mask on first. That means love your neighbor as you love yourself. Take care of your own needs and then take care of everyone else's. They'll be doing the same thing and then we're all self-sufficient. It's such like a beautiful way to be in, I think, relationships. But when we think the thoughts like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, blah, 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 blah. We think it's nice. But in reality is, is I have a thought and I want people to feel however they choose to feel. I want people to to use their agency however they want. I don't want to try to control people and make them happy when they don't want to be. I don't want to try to control people and make them comfortable when they don't want to be. My job is to be kind and loving, but it is not my responsibility how other people feel. So One of just to end this podcast, one of my beliefs is this, and this is how I tell myself I say, 
I say I'm not responsible for how other people feel, but I care deeply about how other people feel. Yeah, I love that. That's a way good way to put it. Yeah, I want, I'm not responsible. That means if I need to say no, that I'm allowed to and it's okay. If I need to speak my truth, I'm allowed to, even if it makes people uncomfortable, even if they don't like it. But also I want to be aware and I want to be conscious of how people feel around me. And I want to be a light giver, a love giver. I want to serve all of those things. So you guys, we better end this podcast. It's getting, Colton's like, I'm gonna have to edit a long podcast. Right. But do you have anything else you want to add on this topic or any, just anything you want to say before we go? No, I just appreciate your insights. I appreciate all your previous podcasts and the things that I've learned from them. And I really think you're doing a lot of good in the world and look forward to continuing to edit podcasts for you. <laughs> that's, that's how I help. <laughs> that's how my, 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 two, my two cents, the way I chip in. I'll probably edit this one and cringe and it might be hard to ever get me on a second one. We'll see. Whatever. He'll be back. Um, You guys, don't you love Colin? He's so cute, huh? You guys should see him right now. He doesn't have a shirt on. <laughs> He's got six-pack abs. He's a beautiful person. So, okay, but really, his grounding energy is just the best. I'm so glad he came in here and sat with me. Okay, you guys, before I go, one last thing, the app. It's freaking coming. And I spent all day working on it today, and so I'm all fired up about it. I'm so excited. This challenge that Colton's doing, we're going to be doing challenges, not exactly the same. I'm not going to make you guys do 100 pull-ups every day and 100 push-ups, but we are going to be doing self-mastery and self-discipline challenges because I want to help you train the animal within so that you're living in integrity, so that you don't have anxiety, so that you feel better, so that you have trust, so that you can accomplish your goals and do all the hard things you want to do. We're going to meditate. We're going to meditate the crap out of our lives. We're going to, we're going <laughs> to like that. I think that needs to be a, a headline somewhere. <laughs> we're going to meditate the crap out of our lives. We're going to do thought work. We are going to coach you guys. I put some good recipes on there. It's just going to be so fun. The community is going to be so fun. We're planning merchandise, like shirts, like just train the animal shirts and like cute getting mindful stuff. I'm just so freaking excited. I can't wait to see you guys in there just keep your eyes peeled. Keep your ears peeled. Listen here. We're going to be announcing on the podcast. We'll be announcing on Instagram shortly. So we're excited to have you there. I'll talk to you guys next time. See you later. See ya.